Okay, Shalom Ubracha, Chodesh Tov. Bezat Hashem, we're hoping very much this should be a good month. This is the Pipot. Nelson writes, and I say this so many times, but it's it's always good I have to go over. He says this is the 11th month, and it corresponds to the 11 fragrances of the Ktorat. And he says, Nelson, this month has the power of the Ktorat. The sun do evil. Because of that, there's also... The evil tries to fight back, as normal, always. When the evil sees you're about to hit a treasure chest, then he starts getting and attacking and everything, okay? But, but the koach for this month to subdue and to create uh, breakthroughs is something uh, amazing, Bezat Hashem. I said this again many times because it's, it's a big thing. Rav Nosin, uh, Rav Chaim Kramer, he writes in the book, Tifar and Water, that in the rest of history, many good things started in the month of Shvat. For example, Rav Nosson was born to be shot. The first kibbutz gathering by Rav Nachman's kever after he passed away was on Erev Rosh Chodesh Shvat. The minhag, the custom to start the olive oil near tamid by the kever of Rav Nachman, which is a big thing to let in near tamid by the kibbutz of the kibbutz, was on Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Rav Nosson, he opened up his printing press in his house, which is when began the quality printing of Breslov's farm in his house in the month of Shvat. And also we see, I think if I look back in these 10, 15 years, many steps forward started in the month of Shvat. A company with a lot of punches, <laughs> but there was forward. It's punches, but going forward. Okay, So uh, it's perpetuous this month, this month as, a, as a means to subdue. And like we are speaking in the context of these lessons, to bring sleep. Okay, So that's just the perspective of this month, why it's very special. And Rav Nussin's birth has a lot of significance. You know, if he was born on Tubishvat, and we see already everything by Rabbi Nachman's life, and Rav Nussin's life is exact. It's like so, you know, he was born, Rosh Chodesh Nisan. When he passed away, Chai Tishrei. Rav Nussin also, he was born Tubishvat, passed away Asar Betebet. There's like significance in these tzaddikim on the details of their lives and everything that happened. So Rav Tzvi Cheshen, he goes a step forward. He says also, if now Rav Nosson was born on Tubi Shvat, that year and the year before were not leap years, regular years. So that means, based on the system, he was conceived nine months earlier, which was when? Pesach Sheni. Exactly. Exactly Pesach Sheni. Tubi Shvat is nine months. Okay? So what's the Indian by Rav Nosson? His conception is Tubi is on Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni was for who? Lama nigara, why should we lose out? So those who were tmei met, those who were impure with, with a dead dead contact, those who were stuck on the on the way, they, could, they couldn't, in other words, for future, not in the desert. But the, the laws of Pesach Shenia for those also who, who weren't able to do the proper Korban Pesach in Nisan, in the Beit HaMikdash, they, never, they were stuck. They were stuck in doing business in, in India or whatever. I don't know. Okay, back then. And they couldn't make it to, to, to Eretz Yisrael, to, to Yerushalayim for the for the, for the for, for the Korban Pesach, so they give it a second chance. So Rav Nossin's whole thing is to give a second chance. The whole message of Rav Nossin, you see how he writes Rav Nossin, and even if you fell, and even if you fell, always he's saying that, and if now you didn't do, there's still a chance. And even if you fell from that, there's still a chance. Rav Nossin's always, his backbone is to give a person hope to just keep on going. There's no reason for you to drop it, right? So Pesach is Gematria Nachman, that's in the Tzadik. Pesach Sheni, to give a second chance for those people who are so broken, broken and miserable and upside down and fed up with their lives, if they really want, that's all it's needed. If they really want to give them a second chance 
best player of the tzaddikim. That's how Rav Nosson Zinyan. So he was born on Tubishvat. Tubishvat, according to the is the new year of the tree, right? And it says in the Midrash about Yoshua Binun, who was the, the main student of Moshe Rabbeinu, that he's compared to a fig tree. Yotzer te'ena, yochal piriya. The one who guards the fig tree will be able to eat from it. What does that mean? The fig tree is unlike other fruit trees in that it doesn't produce in one shot the whole harvest of the figs. Every day, the fig harvester has to go out to the trees and every day has to see which figs ripened and has to pluck them quickly because if not, you become infested with worms very fast. That's why the whole problem halakhically of, of kosher figs is because of the worm infesting while it's still on the tree even, okay? So the fig harvesters, in order to have fresh produce, they go checking every day the fig trees and they collect which figs are ready and quickly send them off to the marketplace because also it's a delicate item. It's very soft. The skin is, <laughs> you just punch a fig, it's finished, you know? It's like you, you sit on it, whatever. It's like an orange that is like a, you can use an orange as a baseball or something, whatever. Here you can't, okay? It's, it's really a, a fig tree. A fig is very delicate. So it says, you, the, the shadow of the, of the pasuk is the fig harvester. He, whoever guards the tree will, will be able to eat the fruit of the tree because he's he's checking on the tree every day. So the Midrash says, Yeshua Binyan was the exact same thing. Yeshua Binyan wasn't one of the top Tamidei Chachamim in the time of uh, of Moshe Rabbeinu. You had the 70 elders, you had Chor, you had Aaron, Yeshua was the one who prepared the, just imagine like in a little base Midrash in, uh, in, uh, in Yerushalayim here, in like the Sephardi Bay Midrash, where there's a guy preparing the benches and he's serving tea and cookies and people are listening to a shir. There's a shir, they're obviously going to shir, and they bring out the Moroccan tea and the, the, the nice uh, Sephardi cookies. <laughs> He was like that. The Midrash says, Moshe Benu asked Hashem, who's going to replace me? So Hashem told Moshe Benu, the one who prepared the safsadim, the one who prepared the benches, he's going to replace. You would think, what? To be the mamshich of Gadolador, you pick someone who's Baki, Chas, and number one in Chas, and number one in Poskib, and number one and number one in his intellect. Hashem told Moshe Benu, no. The one who's Mishamish, the one who, who prepared the benches, and the Binkalech, he's going to be your replacement. And the Midrash says on that, that's the idea of the fig trees. What's the fig trees? That every drop of good is taken. This is wait for all or nothing. But the fig tree, it's not all or nothing. You can't do that. If you say, no, I'm not going to waste my time every day going to check the fig tree. Whenever it's ready, it's not going to happen. The figs, <laughs> you wait for the fig tree to harvest, you lost all the figs. It won't happen. So too, Rosh Benun was the guy who was concerned for the tiny details, the tiny things, Okay. So every time there was a good point, a fig that came out, ah, he takes it. That's the idea of a Talmud. He's taking care of the tiny details and valuing them. That was Yoshua Binun, and that was a common factor also in Nosen. Rav Nosen was Rabbi Nachman's Yoshua. Rabbi Nachman called Rav Nosen, Du bist meine Yoshua. You're my Yoshua. Rabbi Nachman told Rav Nosen, you're my Talmud. Like Moshe and Yoshua, we have a similar relationship. I'm I'm like Rav Nachman. You can say that about himself. He's like the Moshe Rabbeinu. And Rav Nosson is his Yeshua. You're my Yeshua. And uh, so Rav Nosson's birth date is a lot of significance on that. That's Tu Bishvat, the Chag of the Ilanot. And it sticks out what the Midrash says about the fig tree and Yeshua Binun. And it fits into the Rav Nosson. That's the idea of fruit. Fruit is Talmudin. Rav Nosson born on Tu Bishvat is the Rosh Hashanah of the trees. Okay. Rabbi Nachman was born on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, was Rosh Hashanah 
למלכים, of the kings. מה שהזמן מלכי, רבנה, who are the מלכים of the Jewish people? החכמים, the sages, the צדיקים, אוקיי? So for צדיקים, רבי נחמן made it, and רב נוסן, as the תלמידים, the top of the תלמידים, he was exact example. רב נוסן never, never saw himself like a רבי, and never wanted to. Someone once bought him a strimal, because he said, they said, it's fitting for someone like you to wear a strimal. You know, you're like so chashu. And against his will, Rav Nosen wore the strimal. And once he had to go to the bathroom, he left the strimal outside. When he came out, somebody stole it. And he was so happy that somebody stole the strimal, because at least now he's potter, he has a good excuse why not to wear the strimal. But they always forcing him to put on the strimal. But back then, only the rabbis wore strimal, whatever. So Rav Nosen succeeded. The reason why he succeeded so much in spreading Rabbi Nachman's light that it's still shining till today, like crazy, even more than ever before, is because Rav Nosen didn't see himself as a Rebbe. He saw himself as a Tamir, to mamshik the teachings of the Tzaddik, that way it stays in its raw format. And it's raw format, and now the whole work of all these generations is like Abed, the sharpening, what did he mean? Just, just like in Chazal, when you learn a Gemara, and then you have Anad, Rashi, Tosfot, Rosh, Rif, Ran, Rashba, Ritva, right? And it goes on and on and on until today, right? So too, he kept it in such a raw format that now we're delving just to understand what did Rabbi Nachman mean, what's the depth here, with, with technology advancing and the quality of books getting better, we can now look up, boom, 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 and look and try to, 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 to dig much deeper. So today, the quality of this farm is higher, but the quality of the people has gone down. And about 50 years ago, it was the opposite. The quality of this farm, there was hardly any farm, but the quality of the people were much better. I thought when it them, the, the quality of the rest of us, They were really ovdim, guys getting up at Chatzot and, and Kedusha Tabrit and Kedusha Tarenayim, whatever. And today, Hashem <laughs> Rachim. The books are out there. There's amazing books. Tons of formats of Likutei Moran. Any format you want. Likutei Alochos now. Everything's available now. That's it. No more excuses. But the people, Mekayimim, fulfilling it, it's just gone down. We, need, we really need Mashiach very soon. In any event, just Hakadama, uh, because it's Shvat. Let's get into this paragraph. This paragraph is something amazing. It's the beginning of something totally new that he didn't speak about at all beforehand. Before we go into it, we just have to give a re-perspective of what, what in the world are we doing in this lesson. What is the idea of this lesson? The idea of this lesson is that through mitzvot, you connect to Hashem, period. The goal of the mitzvot is to connect to Hashem. And the more you do the mitzvah with simcha, the more your chances in this connection to Hashem to feel it. Whenever a Jew does a mitzvah, whether he's in or out, it's connecting. The question is, do you feel it? Do I feel the connection or not? Am I, am I aware? Am I, am I you know, uh, uh, awake? When I, and, and, and there's a good word in English, I can't, I can't find it. Am I connected and sensitive to the connection of doing the mitzvah? Or I'm just doing it like a dead person. So whether you do a mitzvah with connection or not, the mitzvah is doing the job. The mitzvah is connecting. That's what mitzvah means. It means let's have it to connect. The question is, am I now physically aware? Am I getting the connection or not? So here in this lesson, Nachman says to connect, to feel what your mitzvah is doing, you're going to need simcha. Doing the mitzvah with simcha, is what propels the mitzvah, number one, okay? What does it mean propel? Even if you were not to do the mitzvah of simcha, it does something. But now to propel you in your conscious state to feel what the mitzvah is doing, 
to feel the connection, which is the goal. The whole goal of the mitzvot is Hashem wants his awareness to be made in this world. Hashem wants that awareness to be made. That's the goal. And you should see Hashem everywhere. So now that's the goal of the mitzvah. Now me feeling it is through doing the mitzvah v'simcha. So with that said, you see the goal of the mitzvah v'simcha is in a sense an intellectual pursuit. Because my goal of the mitzvah is to be able to connect and feel and to have a, con a conception of Hashem in my life. So it's all of the brain, with aura. The idea of the mitzvah is saying here is that you should feel the connection to God. You should have the infinite light shining into you, which means what? That you should have the makshava, your mind connected to Hashem at the highest of levels. It's all intellect, before, right? Yet he's going to say something here which pushes it off totally. It's true that the goal of the mitzvah and the simcha is that it gets you into things. You know, he says many times, Rabbi Nossin and Rabbeinu also, and then he says it in Sichot Aran, in Chaim Oran, the biggest consolation of a person in life is we understand what's happening to him in life. We have a perspective, what's going on. Now, like, now, the coin fell in the right place. Now, like the light bulb. Now I, I got it. I, now I got it. Now I got, the, I got the idea what Hashem is trying to tell me. All these things. Now I understand the message he was trying to tell me. Now it's clear. I'm trying to figure out why Hashem. Why I'm being bombarded with another difficulty, another difficulty, another difficulty. And all of a sudden Hashem opens your eyes to see, you know what's happening? Because this wasn't put in the right place. All I have to do is switch this little tiny thing. So that's what all this was for. You know, Hashem, you couldn't tell me in a different way. <laughs> you have to do so many things to get me to get, to get me to wake up. And yet, Hashem does that purposely because the gain that a person gets was at Hashem through difficulties and then understanding the experience is much, much higher if someone didn't have those challenges and setbacks and Yisurim and everything in order to perceive. Okay, so Hashem does things in an amazing way. But the point is, the greatest Nechama in life is when the dot is open. He says that in the Chaim Moran, in the book Tzadik. When Hashem shows a person what he's doing, that's the biggest concept. You can handle anything. There's no more suffering anymore. When you know what's happening and it's clear, that's it. You can do it. You can take you can take upon any any challenge in life. They throw you, I'm ready. Because you have you have that, right? He says it's a famous, a famous teaching that tsar is only cut from chesonadat. When a person's lacking that, that's when he's suffering. Oh, why this? Why? But when they open the dot. Everything's clear. I don't suffer anymore. It's totally clear. Okay? So that is a consolation. That is a key to being connected to Hashem. But there's a trick. There's a trick in that. And you need to join with that what is called emuna. Look what he says here. B'tzarich l'amshich emuna letoch b'rikat Okay? He said until now, that when your mitzvah is on a move, there's momentum, because you're doing a mitzvah of joy, okay? And the mitzvah has energy, like molecules. It gets, it gets the world around you moving to, towards Hashem. In other words, towards what you're trying to do, the whole world now comes to, to help you visit Hashem, to go forward. The next stage is that is you activate what's called bracha. And the main bracha, I went into this in many, many classes these past Two paragraphs, paragraph hey and Dalit in this lesson. The main bracha is what's called Birkata Sechel, the intellect. Okay? And when you have the Birkata Sechel, that is the initial vessel 
to prepare you to receive the infinite light, which is way above your sechel. Way above the bikata sechel is infinite light, but the blessing of intellect will be used to shine what's way above you into you. It's like this idea is very common. It's that the pshat of the Torah is a basis for the sod. And this Kabbalah, the Kabbalah is based on the pshat. The Kabbalah is based on the yesodot found in the Gemara, in the Mishnah, in the Chumash. It's, it's used as a basis to understand that, but it's it's using the, the pshat in order to illuminate. When they have, when the Mekubalim, the Arizal brings Kedushin, so he has to base himself on a pasuk or a chazal, and then he shows you all the secrets in the Gematriot and Shem Ein Bed, all these huji buji things way above, but he shows you there's a basis. So too in a person, the Bikat HaSechel is a, a vessel for Hashem to shine into you, a level of intellect way above your level, but if it shines into you, it opens up your eyes. And you're not connected to it, but it's being it's being used to shine into you this light, okay? So he says, that outside of Bikat HaSechel. Now he says something very important. He says, But you must be careful. When Hashem is good to you, and he's opening you up in life to have an intellectual pursuit. You feel you're on the run because things are going amazing. The mitzvot are being done with simcha. And when you're in a simcha dik mentality, everything is positive. When a person is able to maintain a simcha perspective in life, he sees everything clear in the right perspective. As opposed to someone who's depressed and worried, he sees the solution right in front of his face, but he can't see it because he's so mumbled by what he's going through, everything is mixed up. The solution is right in front of your eyes. He doesn't see it because he's full of daigis, worries, and sadness, and depression. When a person has simcha, he sees the right button. He sees what to do. He gets good advice. Things come his way as something which is beneficial, something which is productive, okay? So this is the idea of the Birkat HaSechel. He's saying here, Tzarech Lamshich Emuna Letoch Birkat Wow. It's the Sechel, even though as big as it is, you still need a factor to make sure that the sechel will be protected and will be the right sechel coming into you. Because a person should not at all rely on his intellect in itself, in itself, as is known. This is like a fundamental, fundamental teaching in life. There's a lot to go on into this, okay? The first analogy we brought a few times is how Rav portrays the letter Hey. The letter Hey is made up of two smaller letters, a Dalit and Yud. Okay, in the Kabbalah, Dalit corresponds to Emuna, because Emuna means what? Delet la bigarma klum. It has Dalit is delayed. It has nothing of its own. What is Emuna? Emuna is you don't have a grasp of the item. But I believe in it. I, I I believe it exists. I can't see it clearly. But I believe in it. I don't have a grasp. A grasp is something which is concrete and you can feel it. And I can grasp the, the sugya, grasp the idea. That's sechel. Emunah is, I have no grasp, but I believe. I have emunah. I believe in the Torah. I believe in the tzaddikim. I believe in Hashem. I believe that my mitzvah do something. I don't see how, but I believe. Okay, that's emunah. It's a big thing, emunah. Okay? That's the idea of the Dalit. And the Yud is called chokhmah because a Yud is like a drop. Every drop of something has a value. It's, it's a something. You it a drop. It has a value. It has essence. It's solid, okay? That's the idea of the yud. That's chokhmah, okay? In the letter hey, we take the yud and put it in the dalit. <laughs> in other words, that as much as you are intellectually inclined 
as much as you're intellectually developed, not about even the Torah, forget about the secular world, just in the Torah even. In the Torah world, you're so developed in your mind and understanding, and you have a clarity, and you have a good Yiddish Echop, they call it, has to be put in the Dalit. It has to be in the cup of the Emuna. All Sechem has to have a basis of the Emuna. If it doesn't, it's in danger. If Shalom, God forbid, a person's whole perspective towards society as an intellectual pursuit, he missed the point. He missed the point. Forget it. Finished. Finished. A person gets so overwhelmed and over-concerned with the intellectual sharpness, because the Torah has a lot of sharpness. We don't have to deny that. The Torah is unbelievable. You just go to learn a Gemara, a Sugina Gemara, it doesn't end. If you want, you can go on and on and on. You have to stop at the end if you're capable at that level to go on and on and on and to Makshia, the Tosfat, and then there's a Mistah there. They all, you know, they, 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 they just keep on going on and on and on and on. It can go on, no problem. That's the sharpness of the Torah. And you have a mitzvah to sharpen your brain to the maximum of Torah study, but not to forget it's in the cup of Emuna. After you take all that and you put it in Emuna, that's the trick of life. This is the biggest trick of being a yid. And I want to this the intellectual pursuit. But bottom line, it's in a cup which is bigger than it. What could be bigger than the intellect of the Torah? The cup of the Munah. brings Tachlit Torah is Tshuva Masim Tomi. Torah study is not the goal. The Torah study has a higher goal. What's the higher goal of Torah study? Tshuva, which is the Munah. Act, act the Muna, repenting, coming back to Hashem. He's beyond you. I don't have a grasp, Hashem. I'm far from you. That's an Emuna act and good deeds. That I believe in the good deeds that the Torah is enhancing, the Torah is studying enhancing, is to enhance my Trillin mitzvah, putting on Trillin, my tzitzit, my Shabbat, my staka, my speech, my eyes, my Dan Kafskut, you know, my Ben Adam Lechaberon, my Ben Adam Lemakom. It's to enhance who I am. But to do that, I have to put the Torah on something bigger, and that's the cup of the moon. The rest of us would say something phenomenal. This is from Siyach Safri Kodesh, volume six. He says like this, unbelievable. When I read it, it's just... This, by the way, I don't know why, this paragraph is my favorite paragraph of this lesson, and the Likute Tfilot on this tiny paragraph is like for me the spirits. I don't know why. It's unbelievable, this, this paragraph, okay? The rest of us would say like this, if now, when learning Torah, you're using as the goal your maximum intellectual capacity as the goal for the Torah study to go into that, that's all you get. You, you've limited the maximum access of the Torah because you put it, uh, the blocker that you, you put is that how much I can maximum intellectually understand it, and that's the goal. And in that, I'm studying the Torah. I'm learning. I'm going into whatever I'm going at every level. This applies if it's Chomash Rashi, Halacha, Gemara, of course, Midrash, anything you're learning. If now intellect, and the goal of the learning is how the words you made it as your stopper, my maximum intellectual capacity to understand it. That's all you get. Whereas this is a powerful statement. If now, whenever you're learning Torah. Always, always, it's connected with Ein Sof. The Hashem is beyond me. This Torah is connected to the infinite light, which is beyond me. Anything I'm doing, it's connected to Ein Sof, which is Amuna. I believe, Hashem, that these words of Torah, they go farther than I can even imagine. 
So now you don't put the blocker here by your maximum brain, you. You put the blocker in something which has no limit, emuna. So now you allow for the Torah that you're learning with your intellectual capacity, yes, but because the stopper is way above, it's an emuna. So now you have more of a chance of grasping much, 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 much more because of the emuna base. So then you allow for more potential of understanding whatever it is to enter yourself. Yes, and, and it's unlimited. The emuna is the is an unlimited expanded bet kibul. Unbelievable. Your emuna can grow and grow. You're, no, the, 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 the no definition sense. of emuna means is no end. No we say emuna, okay, in emuna there's endless levels. It's true. Right. And who says endless levels? But in itself, just like intellect has endless levels, fine. But emuna is something which is a cup and it allows for much more to come in in life. When you're studying Torah and emuna, that Torah goes much more longer than someone who's just learning as an intellectual pursuit. When you're doing mitzvah out of emuna, Again, your mitzvah goes much more, it's, it's much more enhanced. The emuna enhances anything you're doing. When it's connected with the emuna, it's enhanced. Billion times more. Endlessly, you, you put something that allows, like, like a, I have a small charger, okay, I have a small power pack. Now I charge it to something that's like a bulldozer, like a, the size of a building, of a, of a country, of a building, whatever. So it's now stronger. You have, it's something tiny that you're doing, but now it's within something which has an endless limit. So he says, this is the word of Rabbeinu Betzarich, don't forget this point. Don't get carried away. In other words, the intellect is a blessing, it's a chokhmah, but it's a stepping stone for what? For emuna. Rabbeinu explains it very nicely in the Kutel He says like this, we know in the Kabbalah that there are four worlds, the four dimensions, Atzilut, Bria, Yetira, Asiya, the four levels, the four worlds, right? This is the world of Asiya, the world of action, the lowest world. Above that, Abiya, right? Yetzirah, the world of formation, the world of Bria, creation, and the world of nearness, Atzilut, Atzilut, okay? Each world, the Arizal explains, the Kabbalah explains, has in it 10 spheres, starting from Keter, the highest sphere. Again, there's the map. That's always people map. There's the map so they can see what we're talking about. Second, was the funny map? Where are you? Oh, come on. Oh, no, we need you now. Not, not a time when we need you. One second. Lesson 31. It's after 31. One second. 31, 32. I don't believe they, they, they didn't put it in. Yeah, I didn't put it in. I don't believe it. Okay, it's not in this edition. I don't know why. It should be. Maybe it was omitted. It should be in the back of every standard. This is probably an earlier edition, yeah. In the later editions, I think they put it in. I took an old edition. This is the old look. It doesn't say numbers of the lessons. Mm -hmm. This is the first edition of volume four of the BRI. They put it in afterwards. They, they forgot to put it in. I remember now. Yeah, okay. So I have no choice. I'll just put it outside. You have each world has 10 spherols. Okay, I'm not going to go into it so much now because we went into this many times. So you have Keter of the highest one going down to Malchut. Malchut is the lowest one. Malchut is known as Emuna also because Malchut, Emuna, is the key to receive the light of the upper nine spherols. They all shine into the lower one. Okay. So now, but but th th that's for like the lowest world. Let's see, and this world of Asiya, yeah, from Keter to Malchut. 
but now the world above it, the dimension above it called Yetzirah, has in it also 10 Sfirot, the highest one being Keter, and the lowest one being Malchut. It's just Keter of Yetzirah, Chochma of Yetzirah, Bir of Yetzirah, everything's of Yetzirah. The lower one was Keter of Asiyah, Chochma of Asiyah, fine. But the Malchut of this world, which is Emuna, is still higher than the Keter of the lower world. And those Keter is the maximum you can reach in, in perception of God, but in the lower world of, As of Asiyah. But does it come to even the bottom of Emuna, of Malchut, of the, of the next world, the next dimension of Yetzirah, the next 10 Sfirot, the bottom one is Malchut, which is Emuna, is still higher than the Keter. So Nosan explains like this. This is how it is in life. Sechel Emuna. Sechel Emuna. That's how life is. That you're, you're looking to perceive uh, something in life to advance. And, and it's many days and years, whatever, of emuna, of davening, and working to continue until Hashem opens the doors and you have a have a perception. You like, for example, on a simple level, the way a six-year-old person thinks and the way a ten-year-old person thinks is totally different. Why? Because he's advanced. Okay. What what is built in his advance? Not just learning, but experience. Life's experiences, the challenges in life, have made this six-year-old person not just oh, I'm I'm more knowledgeable than you because I've lived another fifty years. I've gone through so many tests in life which require emuna that I'm able to perceive things that even if you were to learn everything I, I went through in a textbook, you will be able to get it. You won't get it from a textbook. You have to go through experience of life, which involves a lot of emuna. Okay? That's 10 to 60 years old. Okay? So to also a person, he's advancing, advancing intellectually, and then boom, he's hit with a challenge. A difficulty. What Hashem are you trying to tell me? What is my, what is my purpose? Like, what are we going to do? So now he needs to go in emuna mode and work on that. And all the things he's learning, it's in this cup of emuna because there's still something beyond him until that also becomes perceived. And once that's perceived, he's now gone up to a higher level of emuna now, a higher challenge. He's now they're pushing him for a higher perception and it requires a higher level of emuna. It's like, like in these worlds, you have emuna, ten spherot, emuna. That's how it is in a person's life. the words, higher level of emuna. I'm at a level of Muna now, what is the higher level? We said, Emuna is mainly regarding what's beyond your capacity. If your capacity is here, that means a person's Emuna would be right over here. If the person's capacity went up like that, so the level of awareness of, awareness of Hashem. Yeah. So if the capacity goes up, your now moon also went up, it's a higher level now. Yeah. You need more Emuna to perceive what's beyond you at the new capacity. That's what life is. I mean, obviously, if you're using your life properly, the person is learning Torah in order to come close to Hashem. That's my goal. My goal is really to connect to Hashem, period. That's all. So the learning of the Torah now is the cup of Emuna, and the person will be faced with times that he has a clarity, has a perception of God, but then they close it because now, ah, now you're ready for the next level? Initial level, Emuna, okay? Avodat Yisrael, I think that's the Magid of Koznitz. Avodat Kodesh, I think. I forgot the name. Or Avodat Kodesh, Avodat Yisrael. I don't know who it is. Or it's the Chida, Avodat Kodesh, or it's the Magid of Koshnitz. They say a, a solid proof that into relying on intellect means absolutely nothing. He says you can take a clear example of scientists in the world. Okay? You look at today's scientists, and you look at scientists 100 years ago. The scientists today, 100 today, they laugh at the conclusions of the scientists and the doctors from 100 years ago. They laugh at them. Mm -hmm. you, were, you thought this and this and that, and now we know it's not that. 
So he says, you see that they're always changing because the intellect, the, the, the perception of intellect is always changing. It's something you can't rely on. It's not, it's not firm. Emuna is firm. Emuna always in Hashem, in the Torah, in the Tzadikim, Emuna yourself, that you're bad about you. What's changing is the depth of that Emuna, but it's the Emuna in Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu and the little Zalman from who works in the, 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 the pizza store, they both put on the same tefillin. They both say, Hashem. The depth that Moshe Rabbeinu has when he says Hashem's name, and the depth of the pizza guy, the depth of Emunah behind how they feel Hashem, how they believe in Hashem when they say the name, that's what's different. But we're serving the same God, the same mitzvah, the same, the same Arba Minim that Moshe Rabbeinu took and the Arba Minim that I take are the same. Also, my, my Arba Minim and Sukkot meet the, meet, meet the parameters of Halakha, I'm okay. I'm within the parameters of Moshe Rabbeinu's Lulav uh, and also. What's the difference? Is my Emunah behind what I'm doing the depth of the emunah that I'm doing, that's what changes, but it's the same emunah. Whereas chokhmah, the person now uses, like people who are kofrimimach, people who don't believe, atheists, and their whole thing is pursuit of the intellect, intellectual, intellectual. But you dummies, a hundred years from now, they're gonna, they'll laugh at your perspective of what you concluded, they're gonna make fun of you. They may say, yeah, we honor him at his time, but we're laughing, we can't, they have different assumptions now and they have presumptions and things are based on different things. So because of that, you can never base yourself fully on intellect. So what can you base yourself on? That's Amunah. The basis of the Torah is always more going back into Amunah. That's the key. This is also, as I say, coming up on the first he's going to bring be bringing up later on in this, in this section here, this section six. He says, the Pasuk, but you have to draw emuna to the hands. And the hands, he said earlier, correspond to the sechel. Like it says by Yaakov Avinu, sikelet yadav, the sechel and the intellect in the hands. And it says there that in the, uh, the he says nicely in Rav Kramer, that in the war against Amalek, and hey, Amalek was an atheist. That means he had foreign philosophy, philosophical, a, a, alienated ideologies against Hashem. So the emuna in Moshe Rabbeinu's hands was what does that mean? In this war against Amalek, Moshe Ben was infusing Emuna in his hands to protect the Torah quality that he's going to give to Dam Yisrael, that should be protected from all alien, alien philosophies and alien, alien ideologies of Amalek, Amalek-style ideologies. Okay? This idea of Emuna protecting it. So this is the idea that when you have Emuna as your basis, whatever Torah you're learning, even if Chas Shalom a person has an error in his understanding of the Torah. Since his basis is always pure emuna, he'll always be set right. Even if there's a mistake in understanding, and he made a mistake for years, but because his whole intent in serving Hashem was honest and pure, and it continues to be, and his whole goal is to believe in Hashem, even if he made a mistake, he eventually will be put back on the right path, on the right path, Mizat Hashem will come back. Even if it was a mistake, the damage will be corrected because of his emunah that he has. And he won't now take, like for example, you make a little mistake, it's like a rippled effect. So then it goes off and off and off and off and other mistakes, other mistakes, and then causing major damage, like the, the sheker that's in the world, Mr. J, etc. that they take a little, I was a sheker, and then just, and sheker built on a sheker, mm -hmm. built on a sheker. Whereas if a person makes an error in Torah study, if the base is emunah, solid emunah in Hashem, no matter, even if there's mistakes, the emuna will put things right back into place. This is why it's so important. Now he says, 
They bring in the footnotes to look in two places fundamental that maybe Nachman talks about this. One of them is in the Kutei Moran, part two, lesson 10, part 12, lesson 12. He says that the, a person who relies just on his intellect alone can come to make major, major errors in life. He says, like, for example, the ones who started the reform movement and the Haskalah and the intellectuals, they're called the Maskilim. Why were they called Maskilim? <laughs> intellectuals. The translation of the word Maskil means what? Intellect. What does that mean? They went after the intellect. That was the error. Because they went after the intellect, they came to make major, major errors to allow transgressing the Torah. And the classic example they bring is that the shaving started in Germany, okay? The people who started shaving initially, they may have started with putting what's called some types of uh, herbs and types of potions that kill off the, 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 the edge of the hair roots afterwards that they could just wash it off and come off even without a scissor or whatever. But afterwards, that took much more work and then no one's looking. They actually started cutting off a tar. And what did they do? This is the example that Rav Nossin, Rabbi Nachman brings, and Rav Nossin writes in Chaim Moran. The, exa the, 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 the example of the error, where they take it from, was from the Ramam Mipano. Ramam Mipano was considered a big, a big, tell me to think of Ramak, I think he was. He said a statement, and they used it as their basis to shave in Germany. What was the statement he said? He said that the concept of the beard is too high for Chutz he had meant something else possibly, but it led an opening for them to allow, you see what the Ramami Pano says, that they give the beard. And Nelson talks about the beard and the edges of the beard being like uh, sparks or a fork. Right, that's right. By the beard of the Zakan Aaron also yeah. goes into that. The, the, the thing is that, until, you know, Rabbi Nachman says that maybe over a thousand years, everybody had a beard, even the going wore beards. The idea of shaving by men it's like a recent thing of the last thousand years, basically. If you take pictures, you know, the majority of people didn't shave. It's something recent. Maybe by Roman culture, it started shaving. Before that, the barbarians, everyone, everyone had beards. Everyone had beards, okay? So when shaving became something very common and something acceptable, who's sticking out? They didn't. They didn't stick out of their beards. They feel uncomfortable, business, this and that, with the going, it makes them stick out a lot. So shaving became something which felt like a necessity, especially in Germany, which was a very high society culture in Germany at the time. So they found a heter through the Ramami Pano, why to shave? And then one thing led to the next, and then actually shaving with a blade, and then transgressing five lavin every day, okay? So he says, as an example, that a person who follows their dot and makes a statement based on intellect, and actually, or even in the Torah world, Koshaken in the secular world, in the non-Jewish world, okay? But this is why a person has to have a foundation of Emunah. This is where Rabbi Nachman says in Lesson 12, Part 2, and also the famous story of the seven beggars in Rabbi Nachman's stories, the beginning of the story of the seven beggars, where there was a king who gave over his kingdom to his son in his lifetime, and this young and new king very much admired intellect. And anybody who came with him with a piece of chokhmah would reward him with money, honor, whatever he wanted. So because everybody started getting into the study of intellectual ideologies and and studies and intellect and intellect until he everyone the ones who went so deep like the king and his ministers they became atheists mm -hmm. so this is the example he brings that when a person is total intellectual he can fall off I remember when I was in yeshiva high school when I was in yeshiva high school one of the top bachorim I'm talking about senior years grade 12 senior year one of the top bachorim he was getting more than 100 on the classes he was so brilliant 
and sharp and knew the Gemara inside out. But he had nonstop questions of, of Kfira. We were talking once in a while. He was filled from head to toe with questions about God, lack of Amuna. He was a Yatom. He lost his father when he was young. And being an orphan, he, it led him to have questions and questions. And there was no basis of Amuna. I looked back and I felt so bad. He, he had an amazing brain, amazing brain. You're doing what the yeshiva wants of you. But where's the Amuna? I don't know where he is now. I don't know what happened to him. I really hope I should woke him up or something. When I, that was for me the classic example of someone can have the biggest brain on Torah, but if there's no emuna, where's, where's it going to gain you? You have mar and everything. You're excellent. You understand clearly, but where's it going to take you? What's the next stage? What's it going to do to you? That's why you need a, a cup of emuna. I'm always a member of Brenner. He's from my Brenner. is one of the rest of her teachers today. He always would say, I was always amazed how he said it. He said, do you know how much Ruach HaKodesh is in every page of Gemara? Which means how much emuna is behind the words of the Gemara. When you learn the holy words of the Gemara, you know, when they say in the Hasidish world, they always say, they say out loud, and the holy Rashi says, why, why are you saying that? Just read, just read the Rashi. Why, why do you have to say, and the high, holy Rashi says, to implant in the children of the Gemara, or Chumash, whatever, emunan tzadikim, emunan the Torah. This is so fundamental. So fundamental. All these little devotions of emunah, they go a long way. Because it afterwards builds a solid backbone for, for the Torah to do its job. The Torah to transform a person is in the Zemuna. And then you can put in a lot of Torah and get, get a long way with it and get the right to get in the right direction as a Hashem. So this is what he's warning here. He's Rabbeinu's warning very much. As much as now the mitzvah with Simcha, Simcha itself is the devotion of Abamuna, by the way. Simcha by itself requires emuna. <laughs> you can only be the simcha if you believe that you have a value. If you, you know, it's, how could you have a simcha doing a mitzvah? Only if you believe Hashem wants my tefillin. Hashem wants my tzitzit. Hashem wants my bracha. Hashem wants this. How do I know? I believe in it. I don't, I don't know. I believe in this. So already simcha is a, is a result. It's a byproduct of emuna. You're starting with an emuna dika item, a devotion, an action, an activity of, of simcha. It leads you to more better mitzvah performance. The mitzvah performance now gets your brain running, gets you the bracha of sechel and everything, because you're after to pursue Hashem. But then you have a warning: stop emuna. Now put you make sure you put emuna, because if you don't put emuna, your bikata sechel will not be a vessel to become afterwards what's called the nine chambers, the nine vessels, the nine hechalin, the tesha hechalin, which will be the vessel to receive the infinite light. If there's no emuna, it won't work. It won't work. If you're missing Emuna, this story I say a few times, but it's so important. The Rav Nachman Tulchener wasn't such a gown in the Torah as was, for example, another student of Rav Nosen, the Cherner Rav, Rav Nachman Goldstein of Cherner. The Cherner Rav was a Rav. He was a gown. He wrote tons of Sfarim. He was inside out in every area of the Torah. In Shas, Poskim, Midrash, Psukim, Kabbalah, Zohar, you name it. The person had everything, okay? And yet... Rahman Tulchiner will be able to explain a Midrash based on the elaborations and introductions from the best of teachings and open it in such a way that even the Chernov was amazed. And the Rav Nachman Tulchiner was always embarrassed to talk in front of the Chernov. He was always scared to speak. When he knew he was around, he wouldn't talk. If he wasn't around, then he would speak. That's how much he had a reverence and a fear for the Chernov. So the Chernov knew this. 
once when he came to Oman, because the Ramnachman Tutsha lived in Oman, the channel of the Nijam was a far distance, uh, eastern Ukraine to middle Ukraine, okay? So when, once the channel of was in Oman, and Ramnachman Tutsha started to explain the Midrash, and he was eavesdropping in the back, so he couldn't see he was listening. He was so amazed, he came out from the hiding, and he said to the Ramnachman Tutsha, I can't figure this out. I've learned this Midrash at least a thousand times. I never saw the way that you're bringing it out. It's such an amazing way. I never saw it like that. What's the idea here is as much as the person has depth in his intellect, what will shine clarity and hasaga in the Torah you're learning is the basis of the Muna. That's why he's saying it's so important that you should have a Muna. I remember once I was walking over Michal Dorfman on Shabbos morning. We were diving together in the rest of Shul, Nets, and then we were walking home. A few people. We're all American. We're North Americans. It was Rav Nassim Ayman. Shimon Glass, who should have a major refresh tema. Shimon Ben Rachel. He's he's non. He's like he's a vegetable in bed. Hashem should help him. And and me, we were the three three musketeers, and other people would join sometimes. And once it was like a little fish yeshiva bachor who was eating Shabbos, I think, by Rav Nassim Ayman. So he asked for Michel right before Michel would go into his house. He would stop and look at us and and the the, the profound. Emuna and Tmimut in his words, or Michal's words, last with me forever. He wasn't the biggest Gaon in, in Torah like other Gdolei Torah, but his Emuna and Tmimut was so strong that everything had a meaning. Everything had a value and, and sunk in deep. So this Litvish Bachar asked Rabbi Michal Dorfman, please give me a bracha for I should be Masliach, I should succeed in my learning and my Torah study and everything. So Michal said to him, I'm going to give you a bracha. You should have timimut and pshitut, which is why the emuna, in the prayer, connects timimut, simplicity, and straightforwardness with emuna in this prayer. He said, I give you a blessing that you should have simplicity and straightforwardness, because that's the key for the Torah study. The key for the Torah, I'll give you a bracha for that, and automatically you have the Torah that you need. Okay? It's the quality of the Torah. For sure, it's quantity. We have to strive. Rabbeinu says, you have to strive for quantity and quality. But what determines the quality of your Torah is how much emuna is behind it. That's why a person should always be working on emuna, and in that, put in Torah study. It's so important that people are very intellectually inclined. It's not easy for them. Now, Shmuel Shapira, Shmuel Shapira was one of the best of elders in the previous generation. He was one of the top students in the Etz Chaim Slobodka Yeshiva here in Yerushalayim, from Mr. Zalman Meltzer. Mm -hmm. He was one of the top brains. His chavutas were the leaders of the next generation of Gedalei Torah. His, for example, was Shlomo Zalman Orbach, and big people who were learning with him who became afterwards big leaders in Am Yisrael. He had a brain. He had a moach. It was really... And for him to become a breast of her, they remember, the, the elder, elders remember seeing him crying nonstop, help me to get out my chokhmot. He was too much. He had to dove in to get out his chokhmot. And he worked to, to such a degree when you saw him at the words at the end of his life that you saw this guy, you thought it was a simple Jew, and that, that's it. He worked on himself. It's not that Chashashalam he threw out of the garbage, the intellect, but he built a cup of emuna that would bypass as smart as he was. He put that in the cup of emuna because he knew that's where you have to invest in this emash. So on top of this, it was a lot, it was heavy. We should be Zochem Hashem to work on the emuna because this is the key for the Birkat HaSechel as big as intellect in Torah to buy all the art scroll books because there's tons of books now. There's no end. They have everything in English. Orachayim, Ramban, Midrash, Rabbah, Kitzvishchan Aruch, Mishnah Burah, anything you want. Torah, Nevi'im, Tumim, Mishnah, Gemara, 
everything. Now they're translating Eretz Zohar. Now they're translating Eretz Zohar. Unbelievable. It doesn't end. Soon the kid Ari, you never know where it's going to go. But the thing is that as much as intellect is so desirable, okay, it's so desirable. But the key is emuna. It's like also just one thing I have to say. That Yaakov Avinu, Rav Nosson says, corresponds to the Torah Shebechtav. Is the Torah Shebaalpeh. And Leah is prayer. Prayer. Leah says, and Leah Leah Rakot. Leah was always crying. And Davinit Hashem, I shouldn't fall into the hands of Esau. And Rachel is like the Gemara says. That the Rachel, the sheep, is compared to a, a Torah. The Torah. The oral Torah. Ma Rachel hazeh. Every part of the body of a sheep is useful. From the hair, you can make wool garments. The meat you can eat. From the bones, you can make uh, uh, utensils. From the sinews, you can make musical instruments. Every part of the sheep, it has hair, right? As opposed to a cow, it doesn't have the hair. Every animal, it does have, but it's not useful. It's useless, whatever. Right? But cloth, you also have cloth from a sheep. From parchment, you can have parchment from a sheep also, no problem. But the thing is, every part of the, the, the Rachel, just like every part of the Rachel has... You so to the Torah, the, the old Torah, every part of the Torah is useful. Every part of the Torah. So Yaakov Avinu's idea of the Titan Emet, Yaakov's idea of the Torah, which is called Torah at Emet. Moshe Emet, Tato Emet, right? Torah is called Emet. Titan Emet, Yaakov, that's Torah Shabbat Shabbat So Yaakov Avinu, being the written Torah, automatically assumes that his main mate is Rachel, is the old Torah. You match the written Torah of the old Torah. Very direct, very directly. Hashem said no. Hashem was misabev through the Rama'u, through the tricks, tricks, through the trickery of Lavan. No, I want you to marry Leah first. It has to be Yaakov, Leah, and Rachel. Why? Because Leah is the idea of prayer, Emuna. The key for Torah study, the key between to bridge the written Torah and the old Torah is Leah. <laughs> that's to be Leah in there. That has to be Emuna. That has to be prayer inside. And this is what Rabbeinu is saying here again. Don't get carried away with Sechel. You have to draw into it a Muna. Where do you take it from? You already have a Muna. If you reach this level of Birkat Sechel, that means you already have the prerequisite of Simcha. Simcha is a reflection of a Muna. So you have from where to take a Muna already. Don't say, I don't have a Muna. You have a Muna. Because you, the, the, you got to this level of Birkat Sechel, you've proven to yourself that you have a Muna. That I have Simcha and the Mitzvah is a sign of a Muna. So I can now be Mamshik, I can draw now this Muna. And to Birkat HaSechel, because he warns, you cannot rely the smoch ala sechel. You can't use the intellect as a smicha, smachta, you know, there's, the, the, there's the somech and the nismach. You can't use the intellect as being the somech for the nismach of the orient so which is going to come in. It's not strong enough. You need to make the sechel to be firm. You need emuna in it. And the emuna is what allows it Allows you to use the vessel of the Birkata Secha, the intellect, versus the infinite. That's how it is in life. Oh, in any, any other area, you need emuna behind what you're doing. My backbone, if it's subconscious, I have to bring it more to the conscious. I have to work on it, but the emuna has to be there, present, visitation. Yeah.